a special one today because it is in true sort of crypto form. We are at episode 69 of the End Product Podcast. And uh, I'm joined as ever by my sparring partner, Quinny, who uh, it's good to see you, uh, I must say, Quinny. And you, I've been following you this week on social media. You've been busy in and amongst uh, the goings on at your at your club celtic uh yes. fill us in on uh on, on how your scouting mission went quite I, I am i kind of forgot about that uh yeah the video will be out on celtics are here youtube and stuff like that uh hopefully later today depending on when you're listening to this it should be out but yeah i've got to so the celtics are here is one of the biggest celtic websites in like the world for like news and stuff like that and i say we but you know they or whatever got accreditation to do the youth champions league for celtic so go to all the home games cover it interview the manager afterwards which is cool so got to go there sitting with all the scouts and all that which is really cool padded seats and uh yeah got to watch celtic versus lazio uh which was cool i'm going to watch a wee bit more celtic beat just because i you know i had to ask so the manager's darno day really funny story right um so i've interacted with darno day quite a few times right darno day used to play for celtic I think he maybe played like the championship in England for a year, but he mainly played in Scotland, Ireland International formerly. Um, anyway, I did my B, when I did my B license, uh, I had to do like the actual test, I had to do a reset for it. And oh, is it, that in itself is a long story that I won't go into, right? But uh, in the reset course was Darren O'Day and Charlie Adam, and uh, they were like the two players in the group, if that makes sense. And when I was back there doing a reset, I'm just there doing a test and nobody knows me. They're normally a, in a group, you know, normally you get to know the group and who you're training with and all the rest of it. And anyway, so I just showed up one day to do my test. Nobody knew me or anything like that. Not that they should, but you can imagine it's different. It's a different kind of dynamic when there's an established like group there for a week. And then a few people come in for the test at the, the end of the week and you've not met them yet. Anyway, Charlie Adam was a dick and uh, like really <laughs> like mate, honestly, like you're doing these coaching sessions and like, again, like they know you're a nobody, if you, especially if it's Charlie Adam you're, you're talking about. And he was an absolute pellet to me. But uh, Darren O'Day was quality. He was really good, you know, like in terms of like, kind of, yeah, he was really cool. Anyway, about when I first started doing the Celtics Are Here stuff, this is a really long tangent, I'm sorry, but I'll bore you with it. Um, one of the first things they asked me to do was like, oh, we can interview Darren O'Day. And it was a bit, it was ahead of Celtic Youth Champions League, um, maybe like Real, no, it wasn't, maybe, I can't remember what it was, but it was like ages ago. And I didn't know anything about the team or nothing, right? And I wrote down a couple of questions and see the questions I asked. I can't remember what they were, but he absolutely slaughtered me. Like in the press conference thing, he absolutely rinsed me. Like for the questions I asked, just like, obviously you don't watch us and stuff like that. Or I can't remember exactly what he said, but he knew that. Uh, so anyway, after the game, I'd, um, I'm meeting him again, obviously, to interview him, which is quite funny. And, mate, I've, I've done a few of these little press conference things for Celtics Are Here. And normally there's, like, a group of people and they're just, like, a face in the crowd. And it's like, everyone gets two questions or everyone gets one question or whatever. And you just sit there and you wait your turn and you think about something. But it was just me. It was just me. That was it <laughs> from, like, fan media, nobody else. So I've got my camera and I didn't have, like, a proper tripod or anything like that. And anyway, it went kind of fine. The game itself was really good, but I... You see when the video comes out, you see the questions I asked them. Honestly, I made that. I was just pure mouthy. It's just pure wordy questions that meant nothing. And I'm just saying <laughs> words at them about the match, if you know what I mean. Got your press like, 
Oh, mate. And then seeing I turned the camera off, I was like, thank, I'm so sorry. Thanks very much. I was like, I'll be better next time, I promise. <laughs> so it was good crack, mate. Lazio turned up, and I'll give you, I'll give you some I'll, say, I'll give you some nuggets, right? Lazio turned up, right? I don't think any of their cards... Actually, I think one of the guys did have a card that came on at the end. Um, I don't think any of the guys in the team had a card, right? But the they had a centre-back, a Romanian guy called Dutu, D-U-T-U, right? And... He was quality, mate. Guy, uh, guy looked like a Roman statue or something like that. Guy looked like guy looked like a stud, and he was just a he was a left centre back or right centre. He was a left centre back. No, 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 right. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. He was a centre back, and mate, he was just pinging diags. And they had this wee guy on the left wing called Senna Fernandez, right? And this wee guy is like five foot nothing and lightning, can dribble like mad. He's got a wee dreadlock top bun thing on the go and uh yeah this get hmm no not him uh, trying sorry. to find looking... oh santa fernandez there. is actually listed in their squad on oh, sorry but he's not got a picture so that'll be santa fernandez i've seen him i'll be buying his card if, if he gets one 100 santa fernandez yeah nobody else in the squad i don't think um has a card but that guy do too. This Santa Fernandez, they both looked absolute quality, and they had another couple of players that just looked really good. But I think when I was looking on flash scores and looking at the squad, a lot of them were like 17, 18 in that. So it's hard to judge well they make it and stuff, you know. Hmm. Um, their goalkeeper looked good, but that wee Santa was tidy. And see for Celtic, mate, like I was expecting maybe a little bit better, to be honest with you. Like I think we looked good, and it was a very even contest, you know, us versus them. In that respect, but um, I was talking to guys that were at that game, and they said Feyenoord were five levels above Lazio at that level. If you know what I mean, so I'm expecting a different experience when I see Feyenoord youth. It'll be Atletico Madrid youth next, but that'll be good mm. because I'm always about Atletico Madrid youth players. I've got hundreds of them already, you know. Um, so that'll be a good fun one to watch. But uh, it was great, mate. It was uh, it was fantastic, and I say I think the Feyenoord and Atletico Madrid ones might be a bit more so rare. We maybe get a wee bit more actual uh, rookie cards, maybe oh, seen or. Yeah. Maybe next season rookies or something. Who knows? But yeah, I think they could be good fun, mate. Thanks for thanks for asking. And sorry for the really long. Answer. No, no, it's interesting. <laughs> I think that is the beauty, isn't it, of going and watch like the the U twenty threes, the B teams, the reserves, all of that. And the, yes, it always nice when you spot someone who kind of like piques your interest, and then you can find their card on so rare. Especially if like they're still kind of under the radar and they're not one of these like hotly tipped wonder kids who's still going to cost you five hundred quid even though they're not playing yet. Um, so yeah, that, that that's good and a bit of padded seat action. Never uh, of that. Ne- yeah, you can you can never never knock that at all. So uh, so when's your next when's your next out in there then? When that when's their next uh, fixture at home? Are you going to be Traveling abroad to any of the games, you think they got the budget to stretch for you? <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. Maybe next season or next time, you never know. That's a fun thought. That'd be good. Mm. But um, it'll be the next Champions League match day because it, they they just mirror the the senior one. And our Celtic's next game is Athletic Madrid at home, so it'll be. I think we've got an international break in the middle, so maybe three weeks away or something. Nice, not too far away then. Um, and did you catch the first team last night? What did you make of the game? Obviously, was following. Um, I watched the highlights this morning. I was actually watching Newcastle PSG, which was, which was a really fun game to follow and watch. My dad's a Newcastle fan, so bit of um, there's a bit of me that really was quite happy with the result for them. Um, 
But yeah, the entire city of Newcastle is definitely hung over today, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, they are on a normal uh, Thursday, to be fair to them. Like, <laughs> big student night down there, or up there, I should say, from where I am. But um, yeah, I mean, they they don't normally need an excuse to go out and have and have a tear up. So I think last night, I bet the city was absolutely rocking. Um, what a game! Uh, amazing result. I mean, I. I did fancy them to maybe nick it. I saw a few people in the community posting up their Newcastle stacks on Twitter. And I thought, I thought if, if, it, if a result could come through this week, it probably will be that one. I did think, um, I did fancy them a little bit. I think PSG have been a little bit off it um, the last few weeks. Um, I think since the first game of the season, actually. I remember watching the first game of the season and I thought, wow, this is a massively possession-based and absolutely bossed it in terms of possession as well. But they just, for a team that has so much going forward, they just didn't seem to do what everyone expected them to do. And I think that that shone through a little bit yesterday as well. They just couldn't get the ball into the final third enough. Um, Mbappe was just kind of marked out of the game. Newcastle were getting forward as well. Like they're, 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 They were playing a very high line, which is dangerous when you got the likes of Mbappe on the counter, but they just couldn't get the ball into the final third. So uh, yeah, it was a great game to watch. It was really, you know, there was no let up at all. Newcastle did not sit back on their goals. They they went for it. And yeah, it was for a neutral, it was a quality game to watch. But um, yeah, I think you boys, on the other hand, were unfortunate. You definitely carved out a lot of good chances. Obviously had a goal chalked off. That was, you know, very touch and go there as well. So yeah, how, how can you sum up? It must be gutting to lose the game in the way that you did, and at the time in the game. And I think that, like, you gave yourself, you gave a really good account of yourself, Celtic. Um, took the game to Lazio, and yeah, you must be absolutely gutted with the result at the end of it. Yeah, proper gutted. Um, it's you know, it's one of those ones where it's just a Celtic way. They're now in Europe, where it's like find the best way to lose, like, and we'll do it, you know, kind of thing. So. Really frustrating, and I think you kind of see the the quality of the transfer business really shine out. Like, I, you know, that's why I was a bit late coming on, um, because I was just recording like a, a again another thing for Celtic are here, like for the, the post match on it. And like, you know, <clears throat> like you know, if you watch the game, you'll be disappointed, and you don't need me to tell you how the game was lost or anything really at this stage. But you know, I was, you know, it, I, I said it in that video that will come out. But see for see Yang. I think he put in the best five out of ten performance I've ever seen a player put in. Like it was, <laughs> like, like he didn't do anything wrong, mate. He was absolutely brilliant, but just nothing came off. Like he just mm. passed the wrong way. But I think, like, see all the everything he did. I don't think, like, so he passed it. He lost possession like sixteen times on Surrey. If you go and check the statistics, it was wild. Every pass like didn't go anywhere really. And but I don't think he was like trying to play. It wasn't as if the he was playing the guy in and it was too heavy or. You know, it was, they fired it in the feet too hard and it bounced. It, it was just, the you know, he was playing an incisive pass when he should have played feet or he plays mm. feet when the guys get three, three bodies around him and it doesn't get to him because one of the men accept it. It just always, I don't even want to say does the wrong thing because that makes it sound like it's just decision-making, but it's not quite just decision-making. It's just, it's like, it's that thing where I've seen it quite a lot, especially from playing Soria and you've probably seen it too with different guys. Veerman's probably a really good one where, at different stages, when they're at different levels of club, you can see that they've got absolute pedigree. And mm. there's just that, oh, that's maybe why he won't make it. Or, oh, they have a game where they don't really perform, and you're like, oh, that's why he still plays at the club he's at. Yeah. And it just feels like every game for Yang, it's like, 
this is just a wee bit above him still, you know. But if he can cross that bridge, I think he could be like, I think he could be a frightening player, you know. As so that's what I say, the best five out of ten performance I've ever seen somebody give, in that sense, you know. Yeah, no, I think they were unlucky. Uh, got a little bit of a mountain to climb now, um, and yeah. to, to get out of the group, as do Man United, obviously. Following them was and has it's been. It's actually really good for Sorry, I'm sorry to talk over you, but like no, because we lost to Feyenoord, right? And as soon as that happens, you, you think straight away the last game is against Feyenoord at home, so you just need to outdo Feyenoord between now and then, and then you need to beat them in the last one. So they lost, we lost. What is what it is. You then go into this double header of we're going to play Athletic, they're going to play Lazio, and you know, like you just got to think, got to hope that Lazio scud them, you know. Yeah, beat them over two legs could be one nil or you know, the double header, and then as long as we can just slightly do better than that, you go into the last game and then you're fighting for third, which for so their purposes you want Celtic to be third and not second, because yeah. <laughs> like I say, Europa True. League is probably much better for some of our players, you know. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that that's going to be a really interesting sort of tactical. Be interesting to see what the market does when we come into that kind of the end zone of uh, the group stage where we do get to see a bit more of a clearer vision of where these clubs are even going to end up out altogether or end up back down in the Europa, like you said. And yeah, I think uh, there'll be some pretty strong teams landing that Europa League. Um, yeah, to touch on Man United, I mean, uh, the way that we're playing at the moment, I'd be surprised if we even end up in it at all. So um, yeah, proper disappointing performance. Um, I, I wouldn't say disappointing performance. I think it was frustrating is a better word for it because I think that um, we did the hard bit to get ahead in the game. Um, and I think we deserved to be ahead when we did get there. And then there was just complete headlessness from there on in. Um, obviously, Onana is a bag of mistakes at the minute. Uh, watching him doesn't fill me with any confidence that he was the right signing. I feel like I was been trying to think about what is going on there. And it's like, some people will like blame the boards or blame the players or blame Ten Hag, but I think it's a mixture of all of them because I think Ten Hag's obviously come in and if you look at the players he's tried to bring in and failed, the big one that sticks out is obviously um, Frankie de Jong. And if you look at that as maybe, a, like if we look at that as like, why, well, it, we didn't sign him and then we went on to sign Mason Mount and these players. And I don't think Mason Mount and Frankie de Jong are similar players at all, personally. I think... Frankie de Jong is a little bit like a silkier version of like a Declan Rice, someone who can sit, yeah. hold the ball, can pick a really good pass, but plays his role on the pitch, you know, not the most dynamic, but gets the job done, can pick a pass. It sits in his position. Mount is a little bit more front and back, box to box, um, a little bit more all action takes more risks, you know, that kind of player. And I think that if you look at Onana and the passes he's trying to play, obviously we've had the defensive injuries, issues there. But if you put a player like Frankie de Jong in that hole between midfield and defence, I think a player like that is much more of a target for a pass from a, a goalkeeper like Onana. And if you look at the awful pass that led to them scoring, um, that's where you need a, a Frankie de Jong in the pitch where that pass was supposedly heading. So I don't know, maybe 
you know, we've signed Onana with a view to, right, we're going to start playing the ball out from the back a bit more. We need ball-playing players uh, in deeper positions in the pitch. We haven't got those. And it's even without the injuries, I'm not sure you would classify... Mart- I don't. I like Lissandro Martinez, but he's not... He's not the most ball-playing centre-back out there. You know, he's not... He's not like... I don't know, like a John Stones would probably be a, a good example of one who's worked out quite well in the Prem. Um, Saliba, probably another one. And then, I, so I just wonder, like, did we sign Onana with a view to making sure that we sign this piece, that piece and that piece? And unfortunately, we haven't. Therefore, we've now got a goalkeeper who is supposed to be good with his feet. We're yet to see that, but isn't the best shot stopper in the world. Um so, yeah, I think we find Man United in a bit of a sticky situation here where they're going to have to stick by Onana, really, because you can't, you can't, I don't know, dropping a goalkeeper is a bit different to dropping like a centre-back or a full-back or, you know, a defensive midfielder or, or an attacking mid. It's probably the one position in the whole squad where you really, if you drop that player, you don't just drop them for a game, you're dropping them for a couple of months probably yeah until the next goalkeeper has an absolute shocker but you can't you can't chop and change your goalkeeper every few games as we're seeing brighton coming a little bit unstuck against villa um i just think that they need that stability in the back um the back four plus goalkeeper that they've lacked the last few games and it kind of it showed a bit didn't it against villa and i think so we're in a really awkward position where we can't really change onana unless we're doing it for the mid midterm, maybe not up until Christmas. Um and you know, Bayendir is still pretty young. Um he hasn't proven himself at this level just yet. Uh he's obviously got a bit of Champions League experience, but he hasn't got much beyond that. Um so yeah, um SR Dimebar makes a good point. Um Onana possibly going to um the AFCON would be a good chance for Bayendir to get in and maybe stamp so yeah, it'd be interesting to see if that comes to fruition. And yeah, I'll be keeping a keen eye. But I do think that we're in an awkward position at United now where we're stuck. We're gonna have to stick by Onana. He's I do like bits of his personality coming out into the press and kind of like taking the blame and you know owning owning it a bit. I think that's good. That shows like a maturity there and a like a good kind of mentality. But w- what a position to be in. I didn't fancy United to get to do particularly well in this group and now you know we've got a mountain to climb we've got to go away to Galatasaray and we've got to play by him again and uh, yeah it's going to be extremely tough and I mean Copenhagen um, don't look to be um, mugs themselves either do they they gave Bayern a real run for their money as well so next game in the Champions League is massive massive for United Um and yeah, like you were saying about this whole Europa League thing, like real possibility if we don't win the next game, that we literally are going to be playing for third place at best. So yeah, disappointing. Um, but there were, I thought Hoyland looked great. I think he played a really good game. Looks a player. I think he's going to score a lot of goals for us. I think he's a definitely a key missing piece that we we missed last season. So I think that he fixes things a little bit up front, which is a positive to take from it. But yeah, I think we are all over the place at the back and we're going to be punished further if we don't sort it out in the coming next couple of fixtures. But yeah, I think oh. the Onana thing gives me like Kepa deja vu a little bit. 
where Scone spending all the big money on a flashy keeper and then very quickly it kind of backfires. And it's like, oh crap, what do we do with this guy now? We've just spent all this money on him. We can't devalue yeah. him in the market so badly by benching him because then it's just an absolute write-off of a transfer fee. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so it's a funny one. On the whole kind of like the young thing and isn't like one piece of a puzzle that's nowhere near complete yet kind of thing. I, I think like, did you, I heard Ibrahimovic's quotes on Ten Hag and Man United. I don't know if you heard them. They were... So uh, Piers Morgan did his Latin interview. I'm going to listen to the whole thing at some point over the weekend, hopefully. Um, but he's got some good quotes on the Ten Hag situation. And he talks about he's played for Ajax, he's played for Man United, as well as a bunch of other teams. And just without knowing anything, he's quite clear on that. Like, But I can imagine this and I can imagine that. And it is one of those chicken and the egg situations with a few of these players like Onana and Ten Hag, like, you know, you, you need experience playing for a team like Man United to be Man United players because when you're buying them from Ajax or signing them from Ajax and you know what you're getting when you sign them, you know, it's like Man City signing Alvarez, like couldn't really get into the team. Mm. I don't think anyone really expected them to get in the team. No one ever really does get into the team in the first kind of six or seven months in that team. But, you know, when they do, they, you know, so it's, I, I think it's one of those ones where if you got De Jong, I don't think it really changes too much of what's going on in that team. But I do agree. I don't think Mount is is a is, is a counterpart, is a is a comparable. No. So it's a it's one of those ones you never know unless you work there. Like all the asks that don't get delivered on from the manager's point of view. As much as like how much is he just like dropping the ball with stupid decisions, like all this Harry Maguire stuff and yeah, you know, like uh, Anthony and Sancho and everything, man. It's like Jesus Christ, like. There's a lot happening there, isn't Man United there? is always full of drama, but this is like close to next level. Like, I remember people, and I'm a big fan of Jose in so many ways, but I remember the way people used to go on about Jose at Man United about how there's a dark cloud at the club and how everyone's all depressed and how everything's grey. There's no colour in the world anymore. And, you know, like that was the way it was. But this guy, like over the last month, man, every week a different player is like, Greenwood, you know, there's tons of crap yeah, that's going yeah. on at that team, you know, they're now and who, you know, did he sign all of them? No, but he's had enough windows to get rid of all of them, you know. Agree, so. yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, people in the chat mentioning, you know, the whole Ronaldo situation there as well. And yeah, we we don't know what went on there. And I think like, you know, as someone who I think like, you know, I'm a, I'm a Ronaldo fan and it was annoying the way that he kind of went out obviously at United but we definitely I mean I definitely kind of like sided with Ten Hag on it a bit but now like a bit further down the line we're like seeing the way that he's maybe like dealing with the Sancho situation is very cold it's like you know you're either in or you're out there's no you know like figuring out who needs an arm around them and figuring out who needs to like to feel the brunt of like the leadership and I think Ronaldo is maybe one of them players who needs to feel like he's important, but also likes it, you know, like to be told how it is. So it's like the way he dealt with that was very, felt cold, right? The way that Ronaldo described it. But a part of me was like, yeah, maybe Ronaldo's making a bit of a hammer this. I don't know. But this, the Sancho situation doesn't sit quite right with me. Um, I just think, obviously, uh, a year ago, he was sent to sort of train on his own to kind of get his fitness back after probably the, the disappointment of missing out on the uh, the England squad. And 
we forget how young he is. Obviously, that mentally has an issue, has an impact, sorry, on, on a player. And, you know, he went about deleting his Instagram account and his Twitter and whatnot. He doesn't want to see the negative comments from uh, the media and becoming like a meme on the internet. He doesn't need any of that in his life. Therefore, like kind of like screams at you that this is a player who needs an arm around him, needs like almost like a manager to to be like a semi sort of father figure to him. Because when San if you look at when Sancho was at Dortmund, there wasn't really anyone that could say anything bad about him. He had no negative press. He had no negative feedback. He was performing week in, week out, you know, man of the match, player of the months, all of that, scoring goals, making goals, making teams look stupid. And the only way I think you're going to get him to do that at United is if he's made to feel a bit special. Um, to do that, he's going to need to hit a runner form. He's not going to hit a runner form in and out of a team anyway. And uh, yeah, I just don't know Like if maybe Ten Hag is a little bit one-dimensional in like his his uh, way of dealing with players, which, I, I mean, I keep looking at Rashford. He looks a little bit out of sorts at the moment. And I wonder what's going on there. I wonder if, you know, this is all having a knock-on effect on multiple players. And I think there must be a few players there that could probably do with an arm around them and like, let's have a talk about what's going on, how are you feeling, you know, how's home life? A bit like all the England players talk about Southgate. And I know like he might not be the most sort of tactically astute managers out there, but all the players that play for him at England say how good, like, you know, the 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 dressing room's good. Everyone gets on. There's no real hierarchy there. He makes everyone feel like you can come and talk to him. And I feel like Ten Hag doesn't give me that vibe at all. I don't get any vibe of that from him. A bit like Louis van, van Gaal was. And, you know, he didn't really work out either. So maybe it's the Dutch style. I don't know. But, um only time will tell. I do think that if we don't see major improvement between now and say like January, I'll be very surprised if uh, if there aren't calls for his head. And there's definitely sections of the of the uh, United faithful that are calling for it now and questioning it. You know, we are starting to talk about oh the way that Ronaldo was outed. People are starting to ask questions a little bit now, and he's he's going to have to answer those questions with results. It's the only thing that's going to talk to the fan base now. I think. Um, yeah, but like you said, big drama, big time ahead. Be interesting to see how the next couple of months at least pan out. Yeah. Last thing I'll kind of say on, on that is like, see the whole, like with Sancho in particular, for me, it's a good kind of like uh, uh, example of just kind of what I think goes on with a lot of modern elite football players. Like, because Sancho was like, not necessarily kicked out of City, but told you can leave we man. We really don't care if you go. You know, they let him go to Dortmund for like four million quid, eight million quid. I can't remember what it was, but it was something relatively nominal for a wonder kid coming through your ranks, especially even at that time. Hmm. Um, and when he goes to Dortmund, it's like Pep released him. He's got something to prove. He goes to Dortmund and like you say, he's on fire. But towards the end of Dortmund, there was there was reports of like he was turning up to training late and he was taking the, the Mickey a bit towards the end because he was Billy Big Time, mm. you know. Um, but then when you get to so when you do that and then you get to Man United, what's he out to prove? You know, really like True. almost nothing really at this point. It's more about achievement, it's more about striving for honors and some players, like as much as they think they're wired that way, some of them clearly aren't. They need to be dropped, they need to be like I think, like, if you see, if you look at Sancho, Anthony, Martial, 
I don't think any of them this season will do probably as well as Mason Greenwood, for example. And that might be a bit of a, a, a touchy one out there. But see right now, he has got everything to prove. Yeah. Like, he has got everything to... He has, he's, he was, like, that close to going to jail. <laughs> or yeah. whatever, you know? Like, he has got everything to turn around, everything turn to save, everything yeah. to do. I, I would not be surprised one bit at all. Like, and again, like, real-world stuff to one side would not be one bit surprised at all if once you get to the January window... He's on so much fire that he's all shouting to bring him back and, and all the rest of it because that for so many elite players that have got money coming out their backside, you know what I mean? They need some they need something to drive them. And unfortunately, as much as like I said a minute ago, I don't think enough of them actually realise they're not actually like self-motivated, like, oh, I want to go and win the league. I want to go and be player of the year. I want to be top goal scorer. They need to be fuck Pep. I'm going to go and show him. I'm going to go and rinse the Bundesliga, you know, and yeah, then I'll get yeah. my big move, you know, and then he gets his big move and he's like, huh, told you, you know, and then, <laughs> and then Literally. that's kind of it. You know, I, I'm, I'm surmising a lot there, but when I no, think about Andrew's situation, that's kind of how I see it, you know. I'd, I'd agree with a lot of that. Um, anyway, enough talk about Man United. This <laughs> is <laughs> becoming a Man United podcast now, but uh, on the subject of SO5, Quinny, midweek, Wait. Any have you got any anything looking good so far in this midweek? What how are you doing? And any M product on the weekend? I know you've been uh, rolling in M product. I'm pretty sure that you've got something to report from the weekend as well. Actually, I've got a lot of end products, right? So I, I went on a bunch of cards at the weekend, right? It's not what I'm going to go through in the pod with you today because he's probably seen a reward opening or whatever. But earlier today, it was brought to my attention yesterday, but earlier today. I brought in a card that I've been trying to get for, I'm going to say three years. Yeah, exact, almost exactly three years. Uh, I think December 2020 was the first time it got auctioned. And I finally pulled it off. I brought it into the club today. It's in 3D as well, which makes it all the sweeter. And it's a, it's a super rare Goretzka. So I see it, yeah. I've won a couple of rewards a few weeks in a row. I've seen Pavel had one, and the big man bent me over for it. He's got every tier five out of me that he could um, <laughs> in the deal, but absolutely buzzing that I managed to bring it in. I know he's not at his absolute best right now in terms of form, but um, I've been watching Bayern enough this year. I'm a huge fan of him. I've been desperate to get the card in. And if you look at the historic pricing of the Super Rare, you need to look at Super Rare data, but like it's been way, 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 way beyond my means for a long time. And the reason I really, I'm excited to, oh, sorry, I'm mad excited to get it because I've wanted it for so long, but I thought it'd be a good one to talk about on the pod is like, um, you know, like some guys, you sometimes you look at guys, you can't afford them, but one day they might come into range, you know, and it's just kind of, if you believe in a guy enough or you want a card enough, it's just always keep your eye on it, you know, and, and keep yeah. going for it because actual football players that you like is really the difference when it is like the tough weeks, them coming in or not, is the guy you knew, he was going to deliver, you knew he was going to start, you knew he was going to score. And any players that you feel you've got a good read on or you really enjoy watching or whatever, they're always the best ones to get. Yeah, I know you've been a big fan of Goretzka's for a while. And he does put up some really good scores. If you can get him, like you said, if you know when he is going to start, he's a great card to have in your team. Um, especially, you know, in the if you're playing champ um, pro or if you're playing all-star pro. Uh, and, and if you're playing in the super divisions in general, actually, I think he is... A solid card, and he's got a lot of AA about him. He does have a decisive in him as well. Um, and I think a good thing about a card like Goretzka is he may, you know, if he doesn't get the game time this season, you'd expect him to move on. Maybe, maybe this summer, 
potentially even in like January, depending on how things pan out. Who knows? But I, you feel like he will walk into almost any other team in the Bundesliga and become like a main starter for them. He's just, he's unfortunate he's in that midfield setup at Bayern where they've got so many options. But, you know, he's great um, for international game weeks as well. He will, you know, he's going to be in amongst the Germany squad and starting lineup um, uh, more often than not, I'd believe, I'd expect. Yeah. So, yeah, I like that. That's a good a good purchase. And I know you're a fan. Looking at your gallery as well, before I'll, like we get into the end product side of things anyway, but you seem to have picked yourself up a little Premier League uh, limited lineup. Do you want to talk us through that? Um, what what kind of prompted you to get involved there? So you might have missed this, but they are doing a Premier League like three weekly giveaway thing for some signed shirts or whatever. I bought a little team for it, basically. So I'm not anywhere near the getting into the top seventy. I've got one game week to go, but this game week, and then I'm basically going to give all the cards away. Like if you know what oh, I mean. Yeah. So I just bought the five to have some fun, maybe try and win something, and then do a little bit of a giveaway for it. But I picked the team looking at just those three fixtures, and I had like. I just used, I had a little bit, I think I'd used a super threshold to build it. I had some change okay. left over, but, um, so I had it within a wee budget and I tried to target the fixtures, but unfortunately, mate, like I had Raheem Sterling as my striker and Chelsea are famously not scoring goals right now, which is a yeah. big pain in the arse. And Flecken, who I thought was my safe pounds per point goalkeeper, has probably had two of his worst games back to back. I think I've ever seen him have, um, a 16 and a 35. So, uh, yeah, those two in the middle, uh, those two at the top and the bottom of the team have really crippled it. But this weekend, Tottenham are playing Luton. So I'm hoping my Udogi and my Basuma can really, you know, make yeah. up the difference. And then if the other pieces just do their bit, then, you know, maybe I can finish off with a nice wee hurrah towards the end of the, the, the three-week weekly competition thing. Well, I don't want to, like, piss on your party, but Eberechi Eze has um, been ruled out for six weeks, unfortunately. Great. <laughs> I'm not joking either. That's uh, apparently, yeah, he's going to miss. He's going to be out for six weeks. Palace are going to massively miss him. Um, so, yeah, to anyone listening, if you've got his... Yeah, it went from 40 quid to 15 quid now. Jesus, man. Is, is oh, it a bigger jump? I mean, that is something worth talking about, isn't it? The jump of limited prices when something like this happens, even as much as like getting dropped out of the starting lineup, not quite as drastic as that. That is massive. I think you bought him, what, two weeks ago for £38. Yeah. And you're talking now he's less than half of that because he's out for a few weeks. Crazy. That's a massive jump, isn't it? But I think that, that what comes into play there is like how many more copies of him are going to be auctioned, uh, how people can deploy that cash elsewhere. And I think that in limited, a lot of um a lot of people don't hold their team for the season, do they? They're kind of trading in and out. Um, I personally, as well, with my limiteds, I often look at where their price is versus when I bought them. And I let a lot of my limiteds go when they start to peak at their costs, just because I know I can sell them now if I want to buy that player back in a few weeks once they've had a couple of like dud fixtures or whatever. Um, I mean, I, I sold my Veerman limited um, a few weeks back. Um, and I think he has gone up a bit since, but I think he's come back to the sort of level that, that I sold him at. But my thinking on selling that was PSV went into the Champions League yeah, he's got midweek utility, but he's got tough games. He's not going to be putting up those hundreds in those midweeks that he was if he's, you know, dropped down into the Europa. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, it's amazing how much the price of limiteds fluctuates. There's a lot of chat as well at the moment of the rate, isn't there, of uh, how 
how many mints we're getting per day. Um, but I think from my take on that, obviously, uh, for anyone that doesn't know, the chat is they're minting too many based on what they were minting this time three months ago. And I think a lot of that is due to the fact that we are coming to new new, new um, supply. Uh, teams obviously need to see their cards out. So rare don't pay for these licenses to sit around waiting months and months and months, surely, right? There must be a reason um, that they are auctioning at the rate. We need the auction money to come in to pay for prize money and pay for new cards and blah, 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 blah. So there's a lot of reasons, I think, um, if you follow MPEN10 on Twitter, he put a little thread out, um, shout out MPEN, go and check him out on Twitter. Um, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, any thoughts on on the kind of like supply rate where we're at in terms of auctions and stuff, Quinny? Yeah, I don't know. I've not seen this thread from MPEN, but he's, he's always a, a good composer of tweets and definitely a good account to follow for sure. Um, but for me, it's been, there's still some licenses that haven't came out this year. So I think it's, They've got to get a good like serial issuance on some of them before they dry the auction off because we've had Champion Euro filled out. I think we've had a lot of the Challenger, but we've still not had Scotland, you know? Yeah, yeah. And th there is a few bits and bobs like that. that. I think this international window that's coming up, we'll probably get that housekeeping done of just, right, who's left, get them out. And then once they've had that kind of tap turned on their auctions for a month, then... It, we get to Christmas and I think everything's set for the season in terms of a regular beat, you know, of how many people, how many leagues in terms of, you know, mm. what card uh, the cycle is, you know, for the auctions. Yeah. It's a, uh, I'm trying to think who else we're sort of missing. I wonder, I know there's not been any further communication on the kind of like the Russia situation, but I'd imagine that, that we're not going to see Russia again in, for the foreseeable. Like you said, we're still waiting on Scotland and I wonder what's holding that up. Is it a deal with Rangers that obviously they weren't, in the last round um, last season. I wonder if um, they are trying to tie things up there. But other than that, are we missing any other kind of full divisions at the moment? Are we waiting? Uh, I don't know if you count as a full division, but we've not had the Portuguese. We've had no Portuguese cards. No, we haven't had any any refresh on that. Um, obviously, we've had most of the second divisions, the league on that. We haven't seen or heard any news on what's happening with PSG this season, have we still? So... Um, yeah, there's still more French teams and Italian teams to come, maybe. Was, that, was it French and Italian or just French? Say, yeah, no, I think you're right. There, there was a French and Italian. I think we touched on it, didn't we, uh, last yeah. week, the week before that. But, um, but yeah, I think uh, we'll be keeping an eye on that. Like you said, maybe maybe that international break will come into play a little bit more. Um, but, yeah, I'm not expecting to see too many sort of, like, fresh licences. I did see uh, Tekkers had kind of, like, unearthed this... Uh, article from a few months back now actually it was in brazil an article that i'd mentioned a deal that flamengo had done with so rare and i'm pretty sure we haven't seen any flamengo cards yet but this was back in yes. july um so that might be something for maybe next season i don't know um but yeah we I'll don't tell you, i'll give you a wee bit of a wee bit of end products we bit uh we bit of intel right so if we do get more brazilian action you might have seen this you might have missed it but Yesterday, the day before, I seen on my Twitter timeline that Ajax have signed a partnership deal with Atletico Paranense, which oh, is nice. a Brazil Serie A team. Uh, you, you'd probably recognise their kit or something. They're, they're not a big team, but they're you know they're not a small one either. I've actually um, got one of their kits upstairs somewhere. I might stick it on for next week's episode. What an odd coincidence! There we go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. 
So if they get cards, you know, that could be a wee sneaky route into some Ajax kids or even just some kids in the Dutch league later mm. on, you know. So I've seen that happen. And if we do get uh, Flamengo, obviously a different club altogether, but great one to get as well. But just, yeah, if there is more Brazil, Atletico Paranense for maybe the aficionados or the... the, the yeah. The, the smooth operators. <laughs> keep an eye out for that. But, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of supply and new cards and that are there any leagues i know we're probably unlike it's unlikely that we'll see anything fresh but i mean i think the only one that sort of like sticks out obviously is that now is the saudi league is like probably amazingly like the most likely new full league that we might see on boarded at some stage um but in terms of like the kind of the the market where it is at the moment, uh, gallery values, etc. Seen a few people um, involved in discussions. I think Led and the guys from So Rare Down Under have been discussing. Uh, those guys, one of them, uh, selling up his gallery. And there's been a lot of discussion, hasn't there, online of, of late about the price of cards and uh, you know, in terms of uh, doing a bit of um, de-risking that kind of thing. And is that anything that? Is that something that ever enters your head, Quinny? Obviously, you're heavily involved in the content side of things. Um, I know you've kind of like had your times down the years where you've offloaded like a bulk of something to like restructure. Um, but how much of the uh, the thought of de-risking comes into your head? How often does that come in? Obviously, you're you're pretty much doing this full time, so you need to take something out, right, at some stage. Um, and you've had some wins of late, so you've kind of like opened yourself up to the possibility of doing a bit of de-risking. Uh, how often do you think about that kind of thing? And have you ever thought about selling your entire gallery up? Um, so the first one, in terms of the other thing about de-risking, um, I'm always kind of, I don't really watch my gallery value as much as I watch my gallery like holdings, you know, what mm. I've actually got in my club, what Dan like, what I think has value in the game value to me um that kind of thing and i'm always kind of trying to prune and adjust that in terms of like a lot of stuff i spoke about on the podcast over the last 16 episodes you know getting celtic cards in restructuring rares restructuring super rares trying to get uniques in at the same time and for the last like two years i've been doing all that while de-risking while withdrawing you know like i can't remember on that last how much money i made video that's on the youtube but i think like last year and like game winnings in terms of cards sold and stuff like that. Like, I think I withdrew like nine grand from that last year, never mind like trading and maybe selling mm. a couple of cards over the season and you know, whatever. You can go check the video out, uh, anyone that's interested. I can't remember the exact total roundup, but it was like, it was like, a, it was like a wage, you know, it's my, it's what I do, you know, it's basically my job at this point. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I've kind of all, so, and that's why, like, I think sometimes maybe some of the content on the channel doesn't overly look remarkable sometimes, some of the stuff I'm doing, but I think it's the viewers of the channel that are there for the majority of the videos, if not them all, that really get the fact that, like, my gallery at peak was worth 200k, and since then, all I've been doing is withdrawing bits while making the other bits better. So as I look at it today, I don't know what I've withdrawn over the last like, two or three years. Let's just call it... 70 grand that's a lot that's right. a good amount yeah i'd probably over the last three years something like that and then maybe not quite as much as that maybe 50 or 60 i don't know but like a chunk like a real fucking wad of money like a real wad of money i've been withdrawing 
my gallery's worth 37 now and obviously it's obviously you know a lot of prices are like way down from where they yeah, were yeah. you know but like i don't think i've done a bad job of like de-risking and improving and it, so in terms of do I think about it, I think it's like, it's my strategy. It's like, what I can I do all the time, almost, if you get me? I know it's not always too obvious because no one is sitting looking at my bank statements every month and going, oh, you've made, <laughs> a, wee, you've made a wee withdrawal on Thursday. That was cool. Or, you know, that kind of thing. And in terms of selling the whole gallery, I think that's kind of what the build becomes. So for where I'm at now, the gallery of total value, uh, if I remove basketball, I keep forgetting I do have basketball cards. It's 27 ETH at the moment. So... For me, like the gallery as a whole is definitely worth 27 ETH, if that makes sense in my mind, in terms of some of them are underpriced, some of them are overpriced, but it's probably a wee bit of mm. negates itself to an extent. Um, but they all fit together. They all go together. They all kind of, it's a piece, it's a collection. It's a whole, like, as a club, if you get me. Yeah. So if I was to sell it, and if I was to sell anything that's kind of in the club, it would need to be like, like I've done before, really, like wholesale pieces. Like I think one of the big things I did to buy all my Celtic stuff was I sold all my Champion Euro stuff or I sold all my under-23 stuff. I just wrote those divisions off. And I was like, they're just sold. And anything that I'm keeping from those divisions will play All-Star because that's why I've kept them, um, if you get me. So yeah, uh, I'm always maybe one step away from, oh, if I wanted to do something, I would sell the whole thing because it's kind of... I've kind of now got it distinctly into like three segments almost. So I've got like a really competitive, super rare contingent of like two teams that really should be fighting every week. I've probably got the same at rare. And then for super rare and rare, I've got this kind of third tier of underbelly of guys I like, can be good, are shit, can be good, are shit, you know, in and out, up and down and whatever. So if I was to make any kind of decision where like I wanted to, I wanted to get some money or, you know, wanted to do whatever, I don't think it's so tightly wound the gallery that I would need to rip it all out. You know, I could easily yeah. just, again, just say I'll sell all my champion Euro guys and like it really doesn't impact anything other than me playing champion Euro potentially or super rares or rares or limiteds or under 23s or, you know, whatever. Yeah, I'm just looking at your gallery and just like some of the things you're saying there, like just come bring my own kind of gallery into, into the discussion a little bit and i think that one thing i'm fully aware of with my own gallery is how much fat i have so like when i look at my gallery value it maybe doesn't jump out at me um as much as some of us will because i know that i hold a lot of cards that are there bought bought very low thinking this is you know how many like under 23 non-playing goalkeepers i've got and stuff like that that could still get minutes before they turn you know 23 um, so there's a fair few cards in my gallery that are worth probably one eighth of what I expect them to be worth if they come good, right? And I've got quite a lot of that. Your gallery is definitely a lot more lean. When I look at, um, if I go into like your lineup builder on So Red Data and I can see like what your options are, you have mostly players that play. You've got a lot of good options there. Therefore, like when it comes to the thought of the thing, big thing for me is like, how much can my gallery yield? I definitely think that at the moment I've got a gallery that is way bigger than it needs to be. Like, I think I could get rid of half of my gallery and still compete at the level. Um, but then if I got rid of the half that I would get rid of, I'd be getting rid of at probably like the absolute bottom end of their price. So it would be, if I were to do that, it would probably be 
in order to pay for something in the real world that I have to pay for. And unfortunately means I can't wait around for some of these U23 kids to come good. They just have to go now or that kind of thing. But um, yeah, it does. It does. It is something that kind of enters my mind every now and then. I don't think I'd ever sell up entirely because I think I enjoy the game way too much. I couldn't imagine not being involved. And I think that having like two or three limited lineups would still not be good enough. Wouldn't be enjoyable enough for me. I'd still need to be at least involved at rare level, probably at rare pro, super le- super rare, maybe. I don't, I think I could give or take limited, but I think that selling all my limiteds would almost be like negligible. Like it wouldn't make a difference to my life. Whereas if I sold my entire gallery, it would. Or if I sold 50% of my gallery, it, it would make like a difference. But um, in terms of that withdrawing, it's not something that I think about all the time. Although I think that since we've had cash rewards involved a little bit more, it has become something that like I really appreciate the cash rewards, as you probably do, you know, like as someone who uses this game to pay the bills. It's like those cash rewards, I feel like I would always need to feel like I could compete at that level. I think if I if I was a player who's like, you know, like been from where we're at now, where like you genuinely have a chance of winning, you 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 go into the game weeks and you think that lineup could win the whole division. That is a good feeling to have going into any gate week. It really makes the game exciting versus, you know, I think like some of my friends who maybe play limited level or like have one or one and a half kind of like rare lineups, like a, a cat mode and a 220 or something like that, right? They definitely aren't as excited about the game as I am. And I think that's because they don't expect to win. You know, a big win for them is the threshold, which is uh, always nice to win. Um, but it's rare for them because they haven't got the depth to kind of compete. So, you know, most game weeks, they're not expecting to win. It's very unlikely they're going to get the threshold. And I think that I would always need to be able to compete. I couldn't, I don't know what I'd do. I don't know what I'd do with myself, my weekends, if I didn't have 20 odd lineups to, uh, to, to line up. But I do think that I have almost like too many. I think I could do with the, like, taking my sort of limited out of the equation i've sold a few limiteds like more the sort of top end like i said i mentioned the the vehement sale recently um i sold my ezekiel barco limited this week which isn't a, a lot it's like 20 quid but it, again it was in profit and why i paid for it ages ago and i think with limiteds because they fluctuate so much it's very rare that anything i've bought in limited is in profit because as they come to the end of their season, they naturally come down anyway. Uh, and now with limiteds, obviously the supply is so heavy that when the new one comes out, no one really wants last season's cards. So you, there's a time you can kind of sell your limiteds at profit. And then I feel like after that, unless there's some absolutely massive explosion of new users, we might n- we might never get our limiteds sold at profit. Don't know how you feel about that, but I feel like selling limiteds at profit is is quite rare no matter how good they are. I mean, I look at my Javi Simons, uh, who I bought probably towards the end of last season, so like at the, quite a low point of his price point at PSV. Um, he's obviously now playing at Leipzig, but he's putting up similar scores, right? Not quite as um, consistent with the big scores, but his price is down at the moment. And I think that's obviously due to the fact that he's got the new season cards out. People want those. There's new collection bonuses. There's, there's incentives to buy the new season cards isn't there with these special weeklies 
And I think more than ever, the old cards, especially at limited level, are becoming quite difficult to sell or at least get back your money, get your money back out of them based on, you know, the the uptake of new users moving into limiteds. Um, We've kind of seen this yeah. before, but with the, the old big heads when they went, you know, like it's kind of that same dynamic again, isn't it? Where you're not, nobody wants the big head cards. Like if you can avoid them, you will. You can yeah, avoid. that's true. And the, the, the 3D flood, uh, as it were, is kind of bringing almost the same, I think with limiteds, you're always going to see it a bit more um, than you will when there are scarcities, of course. But yeah, it definitely does feel that way because like limiteds, like I, I, I think I've said it often enough when we've spoke about them, but like for me, that, that should be like, majority of them they should be able to dispose of it should be like a, you're, you're buying it to play the card you know it's a yeah. disposable purchase in that sense you're spent the tenner you spent the 30 quid you've got your every in like hey he's injured now what can i do about it um you know so that, that's the way i kind of look at limiteds a wee bit more particularly like the run of the mill characters like the every versus the the messies or the mbappes yeah. of the world you know um if you get me because they are meant to be the pick up and play part you know so like, like you're kind of getting there. Like, where does that peak? You know, where can the run of the mill guy? Where does he really spike to? Is it fifty quid? Well, if you paid forty eight, you've not got much room there. You know, like, um. So it's maybe something as well that you just kind of. It's one of these things as well. Over so rare, like, it's always been a moving goal. Like, what is the market like standard? What is the market rate? Because there's always been, oh, we've added a new league, or oh, we've mm -hmm. added more thresholds, or now, oh, we've added another scarcity or whatever sorry i need to swap my camera stash but this season like we don't really have any new licenses joining the party like you mentioned and you know like we, we know at the beginning of the season we're going to get thousands and hundreds and tens and ones of whoever we're talking about so it's yeah that this should be the season where you really start to discover like that standard like a premier league guy that takes some set pieces and has some aa when fit and available is 30 to 50 pound if he's injured He's 10 to 15 pound, you know, and we might discover more of these kind of like standards as it were, like as the season rolls out, yeah. because finally there's less of that, you know, change in situation. You know, I did a video like three or uh, two years ago and it was talking about how you couldn't, it was impossible to get this kind of thing on the Soria marketplace because the, all the things in a graph that you would want to try and work this out, they've always been moving independently and off balance with each other like more clubs are coming out you know and then you know yeah. blah 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 i won't go into it all so this should be the first time where we start to maybe feel like you know what you're getting into a bit better with limiteds like running the mill guys peaking at 50 quid 30 quid a goalkeeper peaking at 100 whatever it might be yeah no i feel that uh, someone in the chat mentioned that they uh so it's taylor dw 101 I just sold all my limited and rare and moved solely to super rare. It's becoming extremely difficult in limited and rare to win anything. And when you do, the tier three to five are so cheap, it's difficult to return the value. I think that's um, an interesting point. But to counter that point, I will say this. I think I'd agree with that. I think obviously if you move into super rare, you do still need good pieces to get into the cards. Then when you do, even if you finish really high, in the leaderboards in super rare you're kind of looking at best case um a decent cash reward plus maybe a tier a tier two at best most of the time but more often than not a tier three to five super rare which um i would say like 
are not cheap, but maybe if you compare them to the price of entry, they're not great. They kind of be hard to sell as well. Like I sold one of my, I think it was a tier four super rare win. Um, I sold one today for 120 quid, which isn't too bad. But then like, well, how much are the cards that you need and the depth you need to compete enough to put that card or a card into a winning lineup? So I think that I, I agree. I think that super rare, you know, in terms of like the performance output of any of your cards, you don't need to be hitting those 80s across five players like you do in rare to win like a tier one or better. You need to have a week where all the goalkeeper gets a clean sheet, your striker scores and everyone in the middle and defence puts up like a 70 plus. You don't need to do that in super. Rare. If you do that in super rare, you are in the top 10 usually. Um, so I think that, yeah, you maybe don't need like the ballers in super rare that you need in rare. And especially in limited, you need to have unicorn week. Like I don't think I never, ever expect anything of my limited teams. Um, I just don't, I don't know how anyone wins consistently in those divisions unless you play a stack that wins most of the games that was my experience in limited last season when i bought that kind of stack which was the ajax defense with the psv forward line mm -hmm. and that won something maybe three weeks out of five but other than that i've never had anything consistent from any limited output um and i think that rare is not quite the same but it's close Maybe it's rare pro. I don't know, but but yeah, it's definitely a, a good point. I think super rare, where the sort of supply is as well. I think super rare, the value, the the kind of the floor and the ceiling doesn't move as much as it does in rare or in limited because maybe the supply of super rares is almost where it needs to be for the amount of people trying to play it. It's very hard to buy. You know, like a super, if you look at like Matt O'Reilly, one of mine that I won, he is banging at the moment. He's probably the best U23 uh, midfield card there is at the moment, apart from, you know, like the, the I, I guess like the, the Javi Simons and the, the massive, you know, five ETH plus cards. Matt O'Reilly's last price was close to two super rare, but no one who owns that card is selling it anywhere near to because of the output you get um and i think that that is where we used to be with rares isn't it quinny i think like a couple of seasons ago if you had like a florian verts forward card for example in u23 morioka exactly like who wanted to sell that card and there was a mass you know and that pushed the price of them up exponentially and i think where the supply is at the moment obviously the the rate of onboarding isn't where it needs to be to get res to that point. But I think that super rare feels like it's where it, super has hit that sweet spot. Now I think where there is a little bit more stability in the market there, if you're buying a card at X amount now, you know, if, if a player gets injured, it might lose like 20% versus like limited it's losing like 70% of its value or something like that. Um, and you know, by the time they come back, there's another 200 of them on the market with super rare. They might not even get another auction between the time that, they come back from that injury. And I think that is, that's one thing you do get with super rare that you don't get with limit. You definitely don't get with limited, but you probably don't get with rare at the moment either based on supply. What do you reckon, Quinny? Anything to add? I think rare and limited need more competitions. 
because for the amount of cards that any player is likely to gather, you kind of, like you say, you run it. So I think we're limited. It's really hard for me to really put myself in the limited player's shoes. Like I'd say, I'd say, say probably for you, Station, most people I do speak to play with limited because I do think to really know the limited experience, you can't have any rares. You can't ever have had any rares. Yeah. Your budget has to be like really 200 quid and you're not putting another penny in or whatever to to really get a different, you know, the, the gauge on that end of the game for me. So I always stop myself from commenting on limiteds too much because it's, I don't really know what I'm talking about to be quite honest. But I do feel with rares, like you need more, you need maybe another, maybe not a whole other like arm, like the cap mode is 220, 40, 70. But you definitely need maybe another, another little beat of competitions, I think. Um, maybe they're trying to do that with the specials, I suppose. But I, I just feel that when I'm going through uh, building rare lineups, and I suppose people will do this with limiteds on a, a variety of budgets, but you want the difficulty in picking your teams to be, you've got a lot of good choices, but you still want to be able to use as many of your good choices as possible. And realistically, if you've got a good contingent of limiteds, and you're playing the better divisions and you're striving, you'll have good rotation pieces that, and you'll balance off who's at home and who rested, da, 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 da. but you, you will probably have two or three other lineups that are on paper, the quality of card is probably somewhat equal, even although the individual match they're playing this week might not be as attractive, but in football, you know, hey, they could score two goals. It could still happen. You just find yeah. it less likely, so on a lower priority team, but it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. And it doesn't mean that I still don't want to play that guy in a worthwhile team. And for limiteds, once you've put all-star and once you've put 270, playing fun cards in a division that can really pop, you know, regions, I, I don't know how many, I don't know how often people find, I, I've never been much of a region player, you know, so uh, maybe I'm speaking for myself on that one, but I feel that once you get past all-star and 270, if you've got bigger cards or you've got, a, you know, even if, you know, I, I just feel there's another place that's still not quite there for limiteds and rares. And it's super rare, you just don't feel that because, like you say, of all the other term, things, like how many goalkeepers in super rare do most people have? Yeah. You know, and then how many teams are you actually playing? And then those guys that do have tons, well, do you know what? They've actually got uniques as well. So they're actually up a level above anyway. So I think it's more of that competition availability uh, yeah. scale. Is probably what's out of kilt for rare and limited versus the other ones. Yeah, I hear that. I think um, when I obviously I, I'd agree with you. I think you made a good point there, where you can't really um, claim to sort of like know what the limited experience is if you have anything above that. I think that's a good point because um, yeah, the way that I kind of treat my limited lineups is it, almost like a little lottery ticket, like a little bonus, a bonus spin on like the side game yeah. or something like that. When that's how it feels. You know the limited the way i've kind of put my limited lineups together is like i've spent hours doing my super rare and rare i just need like just get these done just quickly generate them all like bang and it normally goes anything that can win a fiver so cap 240 sometimes i'll even use my limiteds to like try and win academy rather than putting them into any of the other teams because uh, you know 90 percent of the cards you win are worth less than a fiver anyway if you win like a tf3 or below your cards are going to be worth two quid or less. So, yeah, I, that's kind of how I treat limiteds. Um, but I think a lot of people are doing similar now because I think that the kind of barrier to win, even in academy, is creeping up week on week. 
Because if you look at my gallery and you imagine every one of them was yellow, like how many great teams could I put out? It's still yeah. like all star in 270. You know the what I mean? And then, yeah, you're putting teams out against people who are putting the same team. I think um, Laird uh, posted or someone posted on Twitter a few weeks ago the Cap 270 Limited uh, top 10 had five teams who had the exact same lineup, just slightly different percentages on the bonus and maybe a different captain pick here or there. And that blew my mind because it was like, it's one thing to expect that in like a challenger Europe, right? Oh, there's 12 Celtic stacks in the top 20 and they won eight nil. Therefore, you know, anyone who runs a Celtic stack probably got the same five players, get it. In 270, I was really surprised to see how many people had the exact same lineup and it makes you realize you know where we're at with supply and people are maybe looking at the game week and going right i'm buying this team or i need that player because they're probably not all sat on that many cards unless it's like you know a pavel or someone like that right so yeah it does make you wonder how many people are buying lineups for the weekend how much of a legit strategy that is in limited and yeah i just don't think people do that in rare or super you don't just buy a whole lineup for the weekend and then discard it the week after once you've got your reward. But yeah, I guess it is a completely different game, isn't it? Playing limiteds. And I'd agree. Maybe they do need some more um, ideas. I, I like cap modes in limited. I feel like if I get a winning cap mode, that feels a little bit more enjoyable. I think that you almost know if you're going to win something in the, uh, in the regions in, in limited, but yeah, good. An interesting discussion. That definitely something that I think we we all probably think about. But yeah, definitely something that so many must have to think about all the time. How do we keep the the limited audience engaged, um, and not in, just engaged, but like engaged enough that they want to move up? That's the thing, isn't it? If you don't feel like if you think it's too hard to win, or you don't feel like you've got a chance, you're not gonna. You're not going to like double down and buy red teams, are you? So, and I think, yeah, that I think, I think individually, everyone's looking for their own opportunity. If you know what I mean, and like with some of the stuff we're talking about now, like that bridge to limited and rare is at a real sweet spot. There now, like, see, over the last month, I've picked up some really fun rares that have been under 100 quid or so, mm. or under 200 quid, certainly. And any limited player, in my opinion, at some point playing so rare, would have the ability to gather some rares up of that standard and normally like limiteds were brought out because you couldn't get a good rare under 300 quid and you know yeah. goalkeepers under a thousand and stuff like that you know it's not quite like that anymore so i do feel that if you're i think if you're motivated enough you'll find an opportunity to make the move if you want to but when i'm thinking about this stuff i always try and think if i was to do this to the nth degree so if i was going to play limited to like the nth degree that auxair can i play is not too far off the way to go in terms of like looking for a, a stack, looking for a fixture, and yeah. just like DFSing it in. If you like, you know, just knowing that their home favourites are probably going to scud somebody eight 0 and you can get the guy for twenty quid, and the guy that takes penalties, and they've had five penalties. I'm making all these stats up just to <laughs> give a scenario. This didn't happen for Oxer, but um, um, and and I think like so. When I mean by the nth degree is like imagine there was like professional so rare players or imagine there was like what would make what would be the arena that would define the best players from the worst players and then i think that could happen in limiteds but the way it would happen is in that nth degree where everyone 
kind of has everyone at their disposal. You know, if you were going to be a whale and be, uh, you know, a limited, be the number one ranked guy, that was your ambition, be a top 10 ranked guy, you would buy like 50 like goalkeepers, 50 defenders, 50 mids, 50, you'd buy decks of cards, literally. Yeah. And you would cycle them every week, depending on what you liked, and that's the way you would do it. Um, so I don't know how I got onto that. I'm really sorry. Um, I've lost the, the start of that. So I don't know where to finish it at. <laughs> I'm sorry. But the limited, yeah, that's kind of where I think like, the nth degree is with them. It's like you could, but again, I don't know what that would be like competitive-wise. Again, I know people talk about the ROI part of it, but it depends on what the objective is. And if the objective is just to be the best ranked player and to consistently hit top tens, they continue this monthly leaderboard thing. Like if you were like a limited gunner, like you were somebody that really knew how to trade from a 10 pound card and a, a 50 pound card and how to get a guy for eight quid that can score you a hundred points at the weekend. Yeah. Then like all-star monthly could be, could be a, a real place to live, but maybe you don't want to move to rare because it's not just buying the 50 quid rare and blah, blah, blah. But, You'll eventually have, you will never be able to cover the same amount of options as you could at Limited. And the goalkeeper is still free 500 quid, you know, or whatever. So, yeah. Um, I don't think, like, I, so in terms of the progression part, I think if you want to do it, it's there. And if you don't want to do it, cool. Like it's, it's one of those ones for where things are at there now in terms of pricing. Maybe not in terms of ROI, but the market availability, let's say. I hear that. Yeah. I mean, I'm just having a look at some of my limiteds that I'm holding and, the values and it's like it is fun it is it is part of my game it yes. just feels like you know um and like you said i think that that is because my experience is in rare and super but like you'd be just if you're just playing limited you'd be just as buzzing to win a card in cap 270 as you would if you play rare if that's all you do then you know you're happy doing that but i do think that um the fun bit of limiteds for me is is like how cheaply you can get in. Like you can scrape a five quid reward with a team that's cost you like 12 quid because you can do that easy as well now. There are goalkeepers on the market for less than a tenner that play every week. And yeah, I think that, I think it's in a place that it needed to be at. It's just like how many people, how how do we, how do we onboard, like not we, but like how does Sore onboard five percent of the fpl community like how does that happen um i think the the brand is visible in a lot of places now um but i feel like it, one thing that i do notice with a lot of like the content creators who are maybe in the football world and not so much the so rare so you know like the people like thiago um uh, james alcott people like that who like might post about so rare they still get comments like oh crypto scam crypto this is like there's not it's still a bit attached to the crypto thing in the mainstream or people who knew about it pre now but you know it isn't that now you don't need to have crypto you don't need you know you, just, you link it to your bank account buy the cards play it like any other game like fifa or whatever so i think that that is the next wave of like promotion really is like uh, you, we don't need to talk about crypto now. You don't need to mention these NFTs. You don't need, we don't have any of those blockers. So it's, uh, it'd be interesting to see if there are spikes, like what causes it, what creates that buzz. Um, but yeah. 
Yes. I think you need kind of um, you need these kind of lightning rod moments, you know. So obviously we had it quite famously with with uh, Vaynerchuk before, you know. Mm-hmm. And as much as like we've got the license, uh, the sorry, I've got the licenses, and you expect maybe like adverts and stuff like that to come out in the general market presence or whatever. But like I think what I'm kind of waiting for in that kind of respect is I'm waiting for like Rio Ferdinand to be posting about Soria teams on the regular. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know, or, you know, so, something like that happens. Gary Lineker starts playing it or, you, you know, some, Jaden Sancho, you know, or something like that. Um, and then it's just like spotlights on it all of a sudden. And people are like, what's this thing? And, you know, it's more because like, like you say, it's more you need to be exposed to people that haven't heard of it before because that is the majority. And those are the people that don't have the preconceived um, ideas or notions that the site has been built against, like making sure you don't need to worry about that stuff. You know, if you don't even know you needed to worry about it, then you would come at Sorry and you'd probably have fun. But like you say, yeah. if you maybe heard of it before and you knew it was a pain in the ass or it was expensive or it was crypto or something, and you hear about it again, you're just like, oh, same story, different day, you know, it's nothing new. Um, so I'm waiting for more of that kind of lightning rod moment of something where somebody does something. It's on match of the day, or you know, I can't just get match of the day out of my head for thinking about the prem and stuff, you know. But like, um, so I know they're featured on the FPL like website and stuff like that now, and they're yeah, yeah. Like when I interviewed Nicholas, he said the Premier League only has like eleven global partners, like eleven people that no matter where the Premier League is showing, they're sponsored, like guaranteed everywhere in the world. So they they are on that top shelf, like yeah. firmly. They're not just like sponsoring the fucking ball boys or something no. you know, like, <laughs> i've noticed as well like the so rare logo on the man of the match awards in la liga this season yeah like, it's really cool it's isn't it there. it's right on there so yeah i think that the brand awareness maybe this is part of the plan though like look let's spend the next two seasons making sure everyone sees that logo for everywhere it's everywhere now you can't watch football without seeing it and obviously we're looking out for it but it's you know like in the back of anyone's head who's just watching a game of football without you know subconsciously they're seeing that brand everywhere they're seeing that logo everywhere they might not know what it is yet that's the thing it's like they don't know what it is yet but maybe when they do they're like oh i've seen that advertised at the premier league i didn't know what that was now i know what it is but there's like it builds like a a trust doesn't it with the logo the brand that like they don't realize that they have until they realize what the product is and uh, maybe that's part of the plan maybe the long Maybe the plan is long term, and it's more like the next five years as opposed to the next two. But um, I think the rivals yeah. game has huge potential to be like maybe not yeah. quite that lightning rod, but definitely. Uh, you know, I've always got this phrase. You'll you'll you definitely appreciate this dish. It's a it's one of these things that was a term that I came across like from listening to gangster rap as a wee guy, and it's just a wee, it's a term I always liked and I've always just stuck with me. And it's unsigned type. Yeah, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> so if anyone doesn't get it it's like people know about you before you're famous because yeah. you're that good it's like oh who's this guy coming up on un- unsigned type so i think that rivals game has a wee bit of that potential to give so there a wee bit of that everyone's like oh what's this game and other done oh my mate yeah. yeah has a wee bit of that potential with us knowing nothing about it you know but from what it seems to try and attack that could be part of the puzzle that could be good. And I think, like you said, like talking about that or oh, the Rio Ferdinand moment or this, that is where that can come into play. And, you know, like, and beyond that, it could be television, like, you know, a little ad in the, you know, like we, we was talking about it before, like the bet three, six, five ads that pop up at half time. It might be like before kickoff, like grab your phone, download the app and like, you know, the top 50 players will win uh, tickets to the next game. And it's like something that like someone sat watching Premier League indoors 
can go right right this me versus you blah blah and you know they go into a little league at the end of this week the top 50 scorers or whatever win tickets for the next game they've got tickets they've got the licenses it's just like can they advertise do they have the budget to advertise it like that but i feel like that could be it couldn't it like how easy it is to just like now um pick up the phone and uh you got the app on the app stores bang like if they've built that functionality into the app already and it's just ready to like update like rivals mode like create your own mini league you know like your mini league could win tickets to the next great or i don't know like there's so much scope isn't there but like you said it just needs that that mainstream adoption isn't going to come overnight is it i think no. but it, yeah, those well, moments will help right yeah it's one of those ones it's hard to hard to predict the future doesn't it but that's it, i think that's kind of i think that's kind of where we're like with that stuff you know i'd agree with you so to, to finish up, Quinny, have you uh, built any of your lineups for the weekend? Any fixtures you're looking forward to in particular? I'm going to win Cap 240 Superior again this week. I've got that Goretzka. He's got an L15 of 48. I think he starts the weekend. I've got to look to the predicted lineups, but I've got a wee hunch and I built a team and it's very similar to the one that did well last time, but big LG's in it. So I'm feeling, I've not really built my teams, but I know that team's going to be really good and I'm buzzing to, buzzing to get going for the weekend for sure. Nice, yeah. I, I've got into sort of like doing some of the early builds, but I really needed to see uh, who plays in the midweek and stuff like that. So I'm kind of be keeping an eye on football to watch out for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, going to be watching who starts, who plays, who doesn't come off the bench, and yeah, I'll be doing um, a proper whole overhaul of like what I've sort of sketched in up to this point. Um, before I before I I leave you, I, I, I'd like your personal opinion on Nat Phillips. For the weekend because he's got a great cat mode score is he likely to start or are we going to see uh, carter vickers coming ahead of him i think scales looks pretty good at the moment i can't imagine him getting dropped but you you're the expert on celtic what how do you see them lining up at the back this weekend i think it's so hard to judge but the way that we managed hitati after he's returned from injury so I'll, I'll I'll get this up because it's very much painting by numbers. I wouldn't be surprised if this was similar. So, Hitati got injured and then proceeded to play 30, 58, 61, 76, 72. So, gradually, like, more and more minutes. So, Carter Vickers came off, got 30 minutes last night. Um, I would be surprised if he started at the weekend, to be quite honest with you, I think it would be the same again. You've got Nat Phillips, it may even be Lagerby okay, actually, to be quite honest with you. Mm. I don't think Carter Vickers starts the weekend. I don't think that's too likely. I think you'll get 30 minutes from the bench again. Um, but Phillips, Lagerby okay is fit and not suspended. So yeah, I think Phillips is probably not going to play. I think he's the longest yeah. shot. He's he's out of my teams at the moment for the same reason. That I just, especially after seeing him come off when he did yesterday, I thought, they maybe don't fancy him just yet. He needs not 100, and he's only in his cover. And now that Vickers is back, I think he's dead, mate. To be honest with you, yeah, it's uh, yeah, he's got to play his way back into that starting lineup. I think he's got a lot to prove. He hasn't, he hasn't hit the ground running like I think people hoped he would, has he? Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. Nice. Well, mate, good luck on the weekend. And good luck to everyone uh, listening. Yeah. We've got a lot of you in the chat. A lot of uh, a lot of silent listeners. Do get involved. Don't be scared. Uh, we are live. If you're listening to this via podcast, we do live on Twitch, um, 
twitch.tv forward slash plastician, usually on a Thursday around about midday. Um, hopefully we'll have Tony uh, in with us again sometime soon. We know he's busy with real life football. Um, but Quinny, uh, for everyone listening, also houses the uh, recordings on his YouTube channel, Quinny3001. Make sure that you are subscribed and liking the videos there. And of course, you can catch us on all podcast outlets, all the streaming platforms. Uh, you'll find us as End Products Podcast. If you give that a search or End Products So Rare, I'm sure you'll find us. But uh, Quinny, it's been an absolute pleasure as always, mate. Never a chore. Uh, good luck the game week to yourself and everyone. Uh, Nanzo, big up. Look, he's just shown himself last minute. Hey. Um, Good to see you, mate. Yeah, good luck, everyone. And uh, look forward to hopefully seeing a bit of end product on the podcast next week, Quinny. We're looking out for you in that Cap 240 Super, mate. Good luck. Cheers, everyone. Big up.